Good evening, dear listener. Yes, welcome to Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold. And it's season three, The Best of the West, episode five. And for your delectation, we'll be discussing The Magnificent Seven. You introduce yourself and give a quote. Right, okay. <clears throat> Welcome, dear listener. My name is Dr. James Evans, Esquire. You came back for a place like this. Why? A man like you. Why? And I'm Hugh. There comes a time to turn Mother's picture to the wall and get out. <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> Very good. Yeehaw. Very good. This is Yeehaw, exciting stuff. I tell you what, because we were we're in the sixties now. We've made. We are 60s. in the sixties. We're in the big six zero, aren't we? And this is my westerns. This is what I think of when I think of westerns. Even though ah. I think when we come to the the we'll analyze this, we've almost gone post western now. We're, we're into the the revisionist <laughs> yeah, stuff. We but when, when Did I, we ever get to the western though? That's the thing. Every I, film we've seen has been partly western. revisionist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this is definitely post western. This is post the golden age of westerns, isn't it? It's, um, so, I think this is this is this is Hollywood blockbuster western, isn't it? Oh, I know, but uh, it seems just like the the budgets were a bit cheaper. The uh, the again the uh, the um, <laughs> yeah uh, the the clothes are a bit naffer. Maybe the fact it's in colour somehow you, know, you <laughs> yeah, realise that yeah. <laughs> the the paint the pink shirts just a bit off, but whatever. Um, uh, yeah, so they probably realised they could make a lot of money by not spending as much. Yeah, really. Uh, but you know, we, we are in we are in the sixties, aren't we? I'd say late fifties to late sixties. You're looking at the heyday, aren't you? Maybe mid fifties to late sixties. Actually, it's a fifteen year period where yeah. It's all about the Westerns, and we're right smack bang in the middle of it now. Indeed, with The Magnificent Seven, um, mm. which uh, let's jump right into it, uh, and then we can we can we, sort of dig we, out some we of all the, know. Uh, Bef- yeah. Before we go on, have you, se- had you have you seen The Magnificent Seven before? I'd seen it a couple of times before. Yes, yeah, it's, it's baked into right. me. I've, I hadn't seen um, The Seven Samurai, which is based. I imagine you must ah. have done. And I thought, oh, from, from yeah, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I've. I'd never seen the Magnificent Seven before, but I have seen Seven Samurai a few for, times. For extra credit, I thought, well, I'll sit down and watch Seven Samurai. And I, oh, I, yeah. I queued it up three and a half hours. I thought, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't just randomly put that on on a Tuesday. <laughs> this was on a Tuesday. I thought, let's finally put that on. Like, nope. <laughs> it's a heavy film as well. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do want to see it very much indeed. I mean, I, uh, I've, uh, Chris Iyer was so famed in the film itself, but I thought I'd better, you know, rack it up. That's that's Lord of the Rings kind of uh, commitment. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, there aren't three of them, though. That's true. Uh, there's not a magic <laughs> ring there either, is there? <laughs> not to my... I don't don't think there is no there you go take note kurosawa next time maybe magic ring you know make a bit of money see what though yeah what b- before before we start the actual synopsis what i didn't realize there were three sequels to this oh yeah and then because they're not very good <laughs> yeah but i mean they're, what they thought one of them's got yul brinner in them yeah well without without spoilers i mean there's not many of the seven left to be in the sequels and <laughs> now they managed to keep on doing the arithmetic <laughs> Yeah, all, I, all I'm saying is I'm glad there's not seven Brad Dexters. <laughs> well, it's not like the Expendables where no one ever dies. It's like this is this was, you know, they were, they were popping up all the time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> don't don't throw Brad Dexter when Horse Buckholtz is standing front and centre <laughs> in his little cowboy suit. 
<laughs> but we will come to all this. There's there's clearly a lot to dissect here. Um, yeah. Although, uh, no, I'll, I'll ask you at the end of the uh, the scenario. Time to think of who your favourite of the seven is. But because um, <laughs> okay. I've got I've got a feeling yet. Yeah, it, it's very character revealing on who you who, who say they are. Can but, I choose Petra? Jest, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, anyway. Right. Mm. Let's begin. So um, we can begin by saying we've broken our rule by saying we wouldn't steer out of the Old West because we to begin in Mexico. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, one of I our, didn't even know that. Uh, one of our rules was, yeah, we only only the Westerns in the West. Yeah. And here we are in Mexico. Does that open the door to the Wild Bunch then? Ooh. No, no. We've Ooh, got, maybe. Maybe. Ooh. 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 No, no. <laughs> let's, let's focus on the Magnificent Seven. We're in the 60s. We, we just started in the 60s as well. So mm. we begin in, uh, in a Mexican village being raided uh, by uh, a group of bandits led by Calvera. Um, mm. Played Eli Wallach. I was going to say he played quite well by Eli Wallach, but Eli Wallach, I'm not giving it a game where he is not Mexican. <laughs> he isn't Mexican, no. But he yeah. does appear again in a few films we're going to watch. Yeah. Um, he... not, not playing an American. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's really stocked up on the gravy browning, isn't he? But he's he's pretty good actually as a, as a villain. He is. Yeah, he's, he is. He's, he is. He's he's sinister. He's you know he's he's not quite in a condescending word. He's intimidating. He he's basically just he's lording over these villagers who are. Um, I think yeah, I think he's your quintessential Hollywood bandit. Yeah, but yeah, really? but he's. It's a quintessential. I mean, he's playing it well. He's not like you know, um, dancing around in a sombrero <laughs> saying uh, no, we don't need no, no, no matches. No, no. He's a no. Yeah, he's very good. And yes, he uh, you know he guns down a couple of villagers to try and stand against him. He bullies around a couple more. He says, you know, yeah. I'll be back to take all your your grain, you know, and it rides off. So we we have our yeah. problem. The the Mexican villagers uh, kind of cluster together, saying, you know, what are we going to do? And uh, they decide the best. It's a thing cracking opening as well, isn't it? You've oh cl- yeah, it's a, it's a good first 15, 20 minutes of this film, and it starts with a a raid on the village, which is quite exciting. Yeah, and uh, and the uh, again the the villagers decide to buy guns. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they decide, yeah, they decide to buy guns, don't they? But we don't know how to use guns. Yeah. Well, Where do you get them from? We haven't got any money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we basically, even, even though this is, you know, set in the 19th century, they go, where do we get guns? Go to America. They've got loads of guns. You can buy them yeah. anywhere. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Off to Texas then. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, uh, so they decided to buy guns. Interestingly, that was uh, an insistence in the script because there was obviously this film was made in Mexico and the, oh, really? the Mexican authorities said you can't have the villagers just go and hire a bunch of gringos to solve their problems. We want to see the villagers themselves be take take action. So that's why their initial plan was to go buy guns for ourselves and why you see a lot of the Mexicans being quite proactive in the defense of their villages, mm. not just the seven gunslingers doing the stuff and, um, and all the villages like standing off. They are uh, getting involved, which I think is a good point in the film. But it was also insisting by their hosts in Mexico. Well, that, they had to I mean, do it's that. In- it's interesting because we mentioned that this is a remake of Seven Samurai as yeah. well. And that is exactly the plot in Seven Samurai, that, that the villagers are are active participants in the protection of the village as well. So it's interesting that, that, that the makers of the film maybe wouldn't have had the Mexicans. So they had to actually say, no, no, we want the Mexicans to protect the village as well. Yeah. Oh, OK, fine. So where do the samurai get guns from? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> anyway, we all, uh, so anyways, the villagers head off to the United States to find gunmen, and they uh, they it's find... It's not far to the States, is it? It's just on the border. It is, it is. They've, there's, a, there's a trio of, uh, of villagers like Tomas, uh, Hil, uh, Hildago, and um, who's the other one? Uh, Miguel, I think. Um, they, they're, quite, they're quite a good trio. They, they get they get time, screen time later on. They do, actually. Yeah, so they, get, they do get a lot of screen time. 
Yeah, and I mean, I do remember when I first watched this film, I wasn't paying attention to them at all because they didn't have cowboy hats or girl guns. <laughs> no. But watching it now as a human being, I can actually, you know, tell, oh, these, they're, they're quite interesting, the, you know, the perspectives they have on this kind of stuff. Well, but, the, yeah, and because the, because the film is stocked full of cast, yeah. it's quite surprising they get as much screen time as they do. Yeah, yeah. Although, again, not all the cast were the names they then later became, which is uh, quite interesting. Mm, but the was that the the uh, a lot of these people weren't stars when they were hired. This is like uh, really? this, is, this is like bounty. Um, yeah, the casting. <laughs> the only kind of name above the uh, above the, the 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 title was Yul Brynner. Um, everyone else Yul was Brynner, like yeah. They were TV yeah, I knew that Steve, Mc, were yeah, Steve McQueen yeah. was just start, well, he wasn't just starting out, but yeah, he was a TV star, wasn't he? And the, the others were James Coburn was quite early. Horse Buckholt was his first film, wasn't it? First English film, yeah. Um, mm. Horst Buckle, who playing the young Mexican lad from Germany. <laughs> yeah, so weird. <laughs> you've got, you've basically got your Russian Yul Brynner playing yeah. Chris. A Cajun. Uh, Horst, Horst Buckle playing, yeah, a Mexican uh, cowboy. Yeah. Um, Charles Bronson yeah, from Eastern Charles Europe Bronson, playing Irish, Irish Charles Bronson. Mexican. <laughs> Bernardo O'Reilly. <laughs> and Eli Wallach, from, a Jew from New York, yeah. playing uh, the Mexican bandit leader. It's, uh, it's, uh... So, yeah, well, you know, fair enough. <laughs> And none it's of them melting really hiding their accents very well, are they? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the plan was just put them all in. Everyone gets so confused as to who's what they'll just go along. Yeah. They do try. They actually do try and make a point of um of uh, of Yul Brynner. It's, uh, I think when um when Harry is is talking to him, he calls him, "Oh, you old Cajun, you don't speak English so good, but I understand you." And I think that's mm. with that we're meant to think yeah. that Yul Brynner's heavily accented Russian is somehow Cajun. <laughs> Cajun, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, He's a he's a fine presence, um, Yul Brynner. He he's the first one we see. He's a, uh, which again is interesting. He is uh, he's volunteered to escort a, a funeral cortege to Boot Hill because basically um, someone has has paid for a dead man who dropped dead in the street to be buried there. But the the locals don't want him buried there because he's an Indian. He's an, um, he's an Indian. So, yeah, this is a cracking uh, scene as well. It is, and like cause the guy who who paid for it is like just a, he's a he's a traveling salesman, ladies' corsets. So he doesn't. He basically just trying to do the right thing, you know, yeah. out of decency. It doesn't understand what's going on, and like everyone's like, I thought you only had to be dead to get into Boot Hill. What kind of standards <laughs> are you talking about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's interesting how again once again the um I mean it's it's the it's the only mention that Indians get in this western, but they, again the the undercurrent of racism is like. The uh, it's where well, they portray it, it's like yeah the ignorant are racist and the good guys are not. Um, yeah, this is nineteen sixties. That's not bad. Yeah, it's um, not bad, is it? It's one of the first times that because it's been fairly amb- there's been moral ambiguity. It's not been outright racism, but there's definitely been moral ambiguity in a few of the films we've seen, hasn't there? Yeah, it was all over the place in the searches, and it, it was, was in, a, in my darling. It was all over the place. Yeah, that was yeah. It that's was like, what are you doing, selling liquor to yeah. Indians? What kind of town is this? So, <laughs> yeah, and he's the hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose this is a sign of this around down in the 1960s. Um, the 1960s, so, yeah, where those civil rights riots didn't take place. <laughs> but you know, hey. So Chris and uh, within another volunteer who are played by Steve McQueen, who's Vin. Um, so they meet each other as they're literally doing this. It was kind of like a but they, uh, there's just a meet cute, but with shotguns. Um, so they they escort the funeral cortege. Um, to the to the funeral, they get it buried. There's a bit of gunplay involved in there, but you know, they basically show themselves to be tough guys and decent men. Um, and the the three Mexicans see this and kind of clock Chris as oh someone who is you know commanding and willing to do the right thing. Also viewing it is as we mentioned, um, a young young guy in a cow- I say a cowboy outfit is is Chico played by Horse Buckles, who's a young Mexican. <laughs> and I say a cowboy outfit because everyone else like looks like they're wearing cowboy gear, and he's got this little waistcoat and a teeny tiny hat, and it's like he's bought my very first cowboy suit. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. He's bought it from the local shop, hasn't he? Well, <laughs> he's got plastic guns. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's it's so bizarre because this this cortege is is moving through town. You know, there's this is this tension. There's a faceplate, and a lot of the other guys who approve of their behaviour but don't want to get involved. I like following at a discreet distance. Yeah. And when it gets yeah. there, they cheer and yeah. stuff. And, and the Chico is just like skipping after them. And he's got this big grin on his face. And I think we're meant to see he's entranced by seeing genuine mm. gunfighters, genuine tough guys. But he just looks so daft because he's like, la, 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 la. And, uh, weird, and he's like, he's peeking behind walls. And when they, when they do it, he's like, woo, well, marvelous, marvelous. And even when like, um, you know, Chris says, I need volunteers to carry the coffin. He still just, he doesn't even volunteer. It's like, Chico, you've done nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's weird, isn't it? And he gets weirder and weirder. Oh, yeah. To be honest, so, as the film yeah. goes on, I think. So um, having done this, the, again, the Mexican trio are impressed by Chris and they, they basically say, can you help us buy guns? We look like you're trustworthy. And Chris goes, guns yeah, are expensive. Because they see all this, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Go, yeah There's one really where... good line as, they, as they're going up to the, the place where they bury the, the Indian. There's a good line because um, uh, I think it's Vin that says to Chris, um, I don't, it looks right. It doesn't look like we'll have any problems getting up the hill. And I think Chris says it's not it's not getting up the hill that's the problem. It's staying there. Yeah, it's, yeah that's 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 a really good that's a really good one liner it comes yeah. out with. Yeah, oh, this this film has a lot of good one liners in it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, having impressed them, that the Mexican trio asked Chris, "Can you help us buy guns?" And Chris just goes, "Get men. Men are cheaper than guns," which is yeah, yeah. a nice way around the problem. But it's also again true because a lot of the gunslingers are just so down on their luck. Um, yeah, they they. Clearly, this is when they mention the oncoming of civilization. There's like you know fewer places for the gunslinger to be now. Um, mm. Times are getting hard, and even the most experienced fighter is getting squeezed. Um, and so, and then so when they ask, you know, can you help us recruit men? Chris goes, well, I you know I'm not saying I'll help you. And then they say, you know, we'll offer you everything the village has. And they bring out this you know mm. tiny bag full of trinkets, saying this is everything. And that moves Chris enough saying, no one's. I've been offered a lot, but I've never been offered everything before. Uh, yeah, that's a good line as well, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. see, he's, he's being to soften. Um, and they so first in the in the recruitment is Vin, who um, again is uh, basically they've warmed uh, to each other, haven't they? And they they've respect warmed. each other. Yeah. And the Vin was again, he was um, he needs money and has taken a job as a, a store clerk. He make a crackerjack store clerk. So he clearly <laughs> hates the idea of, of domestic. This is, this is Steve McQueen, but yeah. <laughs> Although it's interesting that even the uh, even the Mexican trio, they're pretty quick on the uptake because they see the fact that Vin doesn't want to do this. Um, and oh, they yeah, like say, they you should stay here. You should be a store clerk. It's good, steady work. And he goes, all right, I'm in. <laughs> uh, even uh, even yeah. funnier is uh, is the, the the next volunteer is immediately Chris basically gets jumped on by his friend Harry, um, who just goes, oh, you've got a thing going on. It's a, a, you just, the, the, the pay is me- meager, so you must have a scam going. He goes, no, there's no yeah. scam. Oh, there's a scam going. I can tell there's a scam going. Yeah. What is it, gold? The, is it payroll? What's, what's the this? rest of the film, he starts banging on about these mountains that the village is around where the gold yeah. is. And they're like, yeah, what are Harry, you talking Harry, about? Yeah, Harry's convinced that no way Chris would have taken such a pathetic job unless there was yeah. a secret heist involved. So he's like, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. So the whole movie, Harry's like, oh, we're going to get some payoff now. Um, so Harry's in, without, and even though Chris is saying, no, stop it. He's like, no, I mean, I mean, you're not going to talk me out of this one. Yeah. Um, next is, uh, is again, Bernardo O'Reilly, Charles Bronson, um, who basically... He's quite good in this, though, I've got to say. He's very good in this, yeah. I think uh, I was, I, I, This was a big surprise for me. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I only know Charles Bronson from really tacky kind of vigilante type films or just b-movie thrillers it's um, a great escape as well uh, yes I, that's true he's yeah he's good in that that's, that's fair that's fair but i mean he he's he's very good in this and he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's known for well. yeah 
Um, yeah, yeah, so, and, yeah. Yeah. But he's very young as well. And he just, I don't know, he's got quite, he's quite charismatic. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's just down on his luck. He's a good fighter, but it's like um, he's basically chopping wood for his breakfast. And he goes, yeah, do you need money? No, I'm chopping wood because I'm an eccentric millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically takes a job because yeah. he's got nothing else. Um, then they, well, uh, yeah, because they, they, they go to him saying, you know, you, you um, I don't know, you, you, you've, you've fought off all these bandits before, haven't you? Yeah, and I did that for $600. Yeah, but, did, you know, in the Civil War, war didn't, you, didn't you fight for so-and-so? Yeah, I did that for $800. Well, will you do this for $20? It's, it's a lot now. It's a lot for me now. Is that yeah. enough? It's a lot for me now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is quite a nice line. Yeah, the the, the fourth member of the, of their their band, or fifth member of their band, is um, is uh, was it Brit? James who's, uh, Coburn. James yeah, Coburn, Brit, yeah. who's uh, again the the backstory of James Coburn is he was one of the the um the actors who was a massive fan of Seven Samurai. So when they yeah, said to him, yeah. um, who, who do you want to be? Which character do you want to be? Like, pick this the expert swordsman, yeah. and and that's why he this guy's a knife and a gunman. He's basically this guy is just fantastic at anything he does. Like he manages to outdraw someone by throwing a knife against his pistol. Um, yeah. And he it's just a good does intro things. to him as well. He's having a he's having a like a standoff, isn't he? Yeah, some, well, yeah. The great thing about it is, again, I mentioned well. he uh, yeah he mentioned he was he was inspired by the samurai because he's very zen. Like James Coburn is a tall, yeah, long, yeah. long limbed, he's lanky, lanky, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he's but he's in, like he's incredibly zen. Like he's 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 having a snooze. He's he's zen, but he's kind of cowboy zen. So the, his, um, yeah, yeah. so he looks in fully place. aware. Yeah, but no, the fact that instead of like meditating, he's just got his hat over. His oh, eyes, I see what you mean. So he's cowboy's yeah. in the fact of yeah. I'm just taking it cool. And um, but you could see that you know when he like yeah. stands up, he's just hyper focused, but also quite he's on chilled. It, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's he just, just, yeah, and it, he's it's a very physical role as well because I know I mean when I say physical, it's not you know he doesn't get into fights per se, but he, he the way he moves yeah is it's very tactile, isn't it? Yeah. So he's he's a good character, and the the um. I'm not getting too much his introduction. The introduction is someone's calling him out for saying he can uh, he can outshoot him. Um, and and With course, a knife. We, we know that Brit is gonna is gonna throw a knife and beat him and all that. Yeah. Kind of, so it plays out as you think it would play out. But the funny yeah. thing, there's an onlooking gaggle of, of cowboys, including some guy in the front row who is laughing at the person who's about to make a fool of himself, and he's going, ha, ha. Yeah. He goes, I say yeah. you a liar, Mister. Ha, ha. <laughs> it's like, what was that guy briefed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's anyways. like the, the bloke in The Simpsons, isn't it? Yeah. Brit's in on it. He just he initially says he wasn't, but then he just says, you know, he does everything for the pure challenge. This sounds like a, a great yeah, challenge, he so he's in yeah. for it. Um, and then the final, the sixth member of their of their gang is um, again a very interesting one. Play Robert Vaughan, um, mm. who is. Yeah. He is on a different level in terms of everyone else because he is intensity. Wow, he's <laughs> in just introspection. Yeah, because he's he's basically um, he's almost got post traumatic stress disorder. He's like he's a, he's a known fighter because um, kind of Chris vouches for him saying he's he's a good gunman. But like he's yeah. got this thirty yard stare of like oh, I've killed men, you know, yeah. and he's uh, like he's, he's almost, almost like, in a different film. Yeah, yeah. It feels like, yeah. He's very intense, and yeah, you're right. The way that he acts, it is very brooding, isn't he? And um, um, he, he, I mean, he's the coward, isn't he? Really, we've not. Um, they're not coward is not supposed. To be, he thinks his bottle's gone. He's, yeah, that's he's, what he's, it is. Yeah, he's yeah, not really yeah. been coward, but no, he he's, he's, coward, lost, no. he's lost his nerve because because he's, he's, he's fought and he's killed a lot and he's got post because you know, he's got the night terrors and he yeah. thinks he hasn't got the nerve for it anymore, but he, he's got no choice. So he has to go along. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's 
he's yeah he's 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 sort of living with the the dead amongst his the ghosts of those he's slain are always around him um which again and this is following the scene where a man the camera hat went ha ha there's a scene where there's some flies on a table and oh, yeah. um he he goes to he goes to put his hand down quickly to go to get them and he's caught one of the flies which to be honest is pretty damn impressive yeah. if you've ever tried and catch one. he says was it would have been one time i'd have got all three yeah as if as you know as if to say yeah he's losing it yeah um but yeah so uh i suppose the the, the last member is chico who's already tried to volunteer um <laughs> for chris um, and chris yeah. has just proved that he's not as quick on the draw as he thinks um no. And gets annoyed, it comes back and tries to shoot him. Yeah, comes back drunk and is like, yeah, tries to shoot him, which, you know, he's lucky he doesn't have dead, but um, he basically yeah. keels over. So everyone's like, oh, well, bye. So they, they leave him. But on it, the I think it's one of the most extraordinary pieces of overacting I've ever seen oh, in grief, my yeah. entire life. Horst, calm it down a bit. Yeah, he just bursts in um, and is like, <laughs> I can fight as well as you can. And he, try, he tries to pick a fight with everybody, he just kills over drunk. And again, um, Chris rather sportingly just gives him some money, the intake is money saying, you know, get him some breakfast and send yeah, him on his way. Yeah. So then, so they, they ride off to the village, although uh, Chico not as is pursuing them, so he's just stalking them now. Um, I'd have I'd have hidden away. <laughs> that was me at that point. It, with in humiliation and embarrassment. I know. But he uh, he manages to win them by catching them some fish and uh, cooking them some <laughs> yeah, fish. So they yeah. basically say, Yeah, yeah fair okay, you can stick with us. Um yeah. so they arrive at the village. Um and the villagers, again, the villagers are a bit wary of them because obviously there's either six or seven killers they've hired to come with them. And in fact, they've sent all the, the women away to hide because they're afraid, you know, they're going to get ravaged by the gunmen. Um, but, they, you know, yeah, they, they've, yeah, they've sent them away, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're making introductions. Once again, Chico, once again, um, you know, earns himself another bullet. <laughs> it's like he's, he goes up to the church and starts ringing the bells. So everyone's immediately on alert saying, oh, my God, the church was ringing. Yeah. You know, Calvera's coming back. And it's like, no, I ran the cheap. But you have got to welcome us. Um, we are going to teach you to fight. We're going to fight for you. You've got to show us that yeah. we're fighting. And first it's like, don't cry, wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also, who are you to, to you know, speak yeah. for the gang? And like, also, you're a prat, Chico. <laughs> yeah, he's a prat. Yeah. But then toward the end of that speech, yeah, they kind of they kind of go... All right, yeah, 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 they, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> they go, yeah, because yeah, Chris goes, oh, now we are seven, and I think, oh, yeah. he's earned his place somehow. Um, so they are, yeah. yeah, somehow. I think contractually, it's an obligation with regards to the title of the film, because practically, <laughs> there's no reason for him to be in the group. <laughs> yeah. But they, uh, but they, they join up. Um, they do. They, uh, I think them. They, they hunt down a couple of Calvera's scouts. Um, Again, I think Chico goes along and then kind of messes up. They want to catch one alive. Up, basically, yeah. yeah. Chico kills one, and then it's left a Brit to kill a couple more. And he accidentally kills it. Like he makes a hundred-yard shot with his pistol and kills the rider. It's like that's the best I've ever seen. I was aiming for the horse. Yeah. <laughs> but Got so a touch that... of the Benedict Cumberbatches upon James Coburn, I think. Really? Well, yes, yeah, kind of lanky, languid. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe I should say that Benedict Cumberbatch has a touch of the James Coburns about no, him. Oh, quite possibly. Really. Yes. Yeah, he was there first. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they, they, they're they all that, you know, a bit jubilant now. They've managed to kill a few gunmen, take their guns. Then they've been given all this um, this lovely food, at which point Bernardo points out that, you know, they're helping themselves to these massive cauldrons of beans and chicken and everything. Yeah. And the villagers are eating nothing. So their first act of kind of, oh, they're not so bad, is they all take their food out and start doling it out to the kids and everyone else. Um, so that was a nice moment. Um, uh 
what happens next is the uh, oh yes the young Chico once again. <laughs> oh dear. Um, oh Chico. He's, it's Chico he's, time. It's Chico. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's off fetching water when he finds um one of the one of the village women Petra yeah, and does, um, yeah. who again they they'd sent all the women away because they were afraid they'd been assaulted them. So he allays her fear by grabbing her, throwing her over his horse, <laughs> and riding back her. to town, <laughs> basically waving her around, yeah. saying, "Look, look what I found." <laughs> and at, at this point. Steve McQueen's Vin, he's visibly drooling, isn't he? He's just—he oh, becomes yeah. this weird. Vin's hard. In fact, up until that point, he's been saying, "Do you, you know, have you, do you, do you have any slightly older, attractive sisters to all the people?" And you think it's a bit. This is a bit creepy. And now he's just—he's given up any pretense and he's drooling. <laughs> See, I, I find Vin's less creepy. Vin's just kind of random, like, "Oh, I, I wouldn't mind a woman." Whereas Chico, you know, is, is kidnapped someone <laughs> yes, who then yeah. inexplicably falls in love with him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, yeah. That's, that's the love story kind of catapults away off by the fact he's just grabbed her. Um, but anyway, they uh, they get the um, the women are now brought back into the village uh, for safety, mm. and uh, and Calvera rides up. He does. Um, it's, it's, there's a bit of a standoff. Calvera's a little bit surprised that there's some gunmen there, um, and and there's the initial again, with words turned to shooting, and there's a couple of uh, shots exchanged. Um, the seven again have the better of it. They kill about a dozen of Calvera's men. He rides off. Um, and it was like, yeah, hey, um, yeah, that's it over, they, finished, right? They, that's they, him done. Sorted him out. Um, yeah. So, uh, although yeah, he does, he does put a couple of snipers in the hills to kind of try and pick them off. At which point, yeah, Chico once again <laughs> loses his hat because he's not keeping his head down. But yeah. they um, they throw him a sombrero for they captured from Calvera's men, saying he has a new hat. And I think the point was the, the seven were making is it's dangerous, kid. Keep your head down. Whereas Chico is just putting it on in the mirror, saying, oh, look at I, I fancy. Yeah. Then he wanders into the. To no, first, first he, does, he talks about um you know what uh what uh what a great thing is to be a gunman and then there's oh, an interesting yeah. scene yeah where, it's a, yeah it's actually it's really good isn't it yeah yeah chris chris is going it's nothing special being a gunman and uh and actually where vin you mentioned he draws he gets some good lines here saying you know mm. you can you can meet 200 uh bartenders you can meet 500 flop houses you can get a thousand hash houses where you eat but you get no family fam, family none friends mm. um, um children none and uh, home none and it's like it's quite they downbeat all, they all have a go don't they they all have a go well, they, they, I feel like they're trying to scare him straight get their, yeah. well they don't all have a go actually because it's just Vin who goes all this and actually that puts Vin's kind of leering after him into more context because yeah, he does yeah. have, you know, yeah. home, no home no wives no children this is what you get for being a gunman but then Chris kind of levels it saying you got you know people you, you're, you're weighed down to none and mm. people you walk away from none yeah and, and even uh, where even yeah, this is where um, Lee comes in saying enemies none, no alive yeah. ones anyway. Yeah. So and yeah, this is quite a nice scene. It kind of you know mm. puts in the invite again, slightly marred by Chico dancing and saying, "Oh, I like this arithmetic." <laughs> and then Chico decides now he's got a sombrero, and given he is Mexican, he can sneak into Calvera's camp and yeah. find what they yeah. think. So he does this and manages to survive. He listens to them talking. And he learns that Calvera isn't going to turn around, partly because Calvera is quite desperate too. And I think this is an interesting fact about Calvera is that he obviously he's a menace to the village, but he's quite a pathetic character in the sense yeah, he that is. he's not doing this because he's ravaging all the towns and this is his empire. Right. He's doing this because this is his last attempt. He's already mentioned, you know, the um, like the 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 authorities chase him. There's no good loot to be had anymore. You know, there's yeah, um, yeah. so this is is it with him? It's like I've got to take this village's food or my men are going to starve. Yeah, that, yeah, because. So, and you are, it's, I mean, it's in no way noble at all, no. but f- fundamentally, they don't have any food. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking one, one well, I thought I thought the, the rationale would be Calvera needs to 
to take this village, even though they're tough, because if he word gets around that one village denies him, all yeah. the villages deny him. It's yeah. not even that simple. No, he's just, he's going to starve it in days mm. if his men don't eat. Uh, so that's that. Um, and so having found this out, well done, Chico. That was good espionage. He then chooses the worst possible time and moment to reveal this information <laughs> yeah. because the villagers are like, okay, I think we've beaten him off. Are we going to be okay? And he's like bursting saying, Calvera's never going to leave you alone. <laughs> he's going to come until you're all dead, um, which doesn't have a great effect on morale. Because <laughs> so, like half the villagers, the ones who found the seven in the first place, are like, well, we're going to stay and fight. We committed yeah, yeah. all the way. But the other half who, again, no, no, they they got a point that they have. Well, you know, they have got. It's, it's understandable, isn't it? They got wives yeah. and kids, and, and yeah. all, it's yeah. like, yeah, if we're yeah. all going to die, maybe we should just try and cut a deal with Calvera. But yeah, uh, because I think one one of the arguments is they leave them in just enough food, hmm. and they don't kill him. They don't. He doesn't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> so is it that bad? <laughs> it's pretty bad, but it's worse than him coming in and killing all of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So um. So because of this, again the. Uh, the the villagers again as the seven are now scouting around um to try and cut off calvera half the villagers cut a deal so when the seven return they're completely surrounded calvera has made his way into the village he's been sold out by the villagers yeah. and calvera has utterly got the drop of them and says you know weapons down i'm not going to kill you because and this is quite a good rationale saying you've got friends up north who might come down and cause trouble for me so once again it shows calvera's level he's there's scared ra- that there's a rationale there isn't there yeah, yeah. Because it's true, you know, kind of like Chris, yeah, you know, if word gets out that, you know, Chris was murdered by some bandit, he probably has got a dozen guys who would come down and say, actually, I'm going to evade well, say, it, it's, also, it's, probably, it's probably more realistic than there be a massive shootout and they escape, for example, yeah, yeah. you know, which might be thrilling, but also is a bit like, what? OK, whereas yeah. that, yeah, Calvera's rationale was, there's a logical consistency there, which, which which kept me which kept me going yeah and indeed it allows a quite a nice moment so uh, chris and vin as they're because pa- he says pack up your stuff i'll give you time yeah. to yeah. so chris and vin as they're packing up the stuff admit that it's not about the money anymore they both become attached to the village yeah. um actually um lee is is staring at a lamp which is it reminds him of the three villagers who basically saved him from the night terrors when he was afraid yeah, that he'd yeah, lost his nerve right. and um again the bit of I think one of the best scenes in the movie is when Bernardo, who has been kind of adopted by some of the local kids, um, mm-hmm. literally adopted because they say, we, we drew lots. And when you die, we get yeah. to put flowers on your grave. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. But he's also, again, he's, he's like a mentor to them. He's a hero to them. Yeah. And they say, you know, we, we want to so come brave. with you. Yeah, yeah we, we want to come with you. We're not cows like our fathers. <laughs> it's slightly mad by the fact he takes a boy over his knee and smack, smacks his yeah. butt. <laughs> but then he just comes in saying, you know, I've, I've got anything like the nerve of your fathers. Your fathers, car- I carry a gun. Your fathers carry responsibility. It crushes them like a great weight. Um, they do tell it. Tell me about day. it, Bernardo. Tell me about <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> it's incredible. It's really moving. I was really impressed yeah. with like, the Charles Bronson scene. It's like it, they do it for you. They've got responsibility for your mothers, your sisters, for you, for everyone. Yeah. Like, the weight yeah. crushes them. And they do it because for, they, no one else will do it. They do it because they love you. I don't have this courage. I never had this yeah. courage. I didn't even try to have this courage. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm really. Is Charles Bronson? this is what i mean by i was i was very pleasantly surprised by by his role in this i thought yeah it was a that was probably my favorite scene in the film actually yeah um and so again the seven are led out they've even given their guns back i mean chica um Cavalera made them hand their guns over as a sign of submission, but he says, "You know, you can give them back. You know, when you once you pass the, the village yeah. border." So they give them their guns. Naturally, of course, Chris is going back in. Vin's going back in. Yeah, um, they have a bit of a who's coming with us, and yeah. they all but make Bernardo's those decisions, don't they? 
Yeah, yeah again, Brit has a nice kind yet. of nobody just tosses me my gun and tells me to go. Yeah, <laughs> Once yeah. again, it's like very minimal and you completely buy it. The only person, again, actually, yeah, Harry Luck is the only Harry, person. Like, who, Harry Luck, which yeah. again is true. It's not like all seven decide to go back. Harry's no. like, because um, everything is stupid. Aren't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. He's like, <laughs> the, the odds have changed. There's no, there's no, there's no gain in this anymore. We go, we're yeah. going to go. And he almost calls, he calls Lee to come with him. But then Lee, they say, Lee, you've got nothing to prove. And he goes, except for yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, so it's, and, a, it's yeah. nicely played by Robert Vaughan yeah. as well. Yeah, well, yeah, because again, he's it's in terms of of economy of performance. You've got um, kind of James Coburn play again, playing with very few lines and all physicality. Robert Vaughan yeah. too is, is doing it a different way. He's, he's yeah, all, he is. He's still all, still physicality though, isn't it? But it's a slightly different approach. He's, he's just like emanating emotion all the time, yeah. and yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. it coming off him. And even though he's, he's his body posture, he's like he's slumped over the saddle, and yeah. Um, yeah. he's just got one of the fanciest outfits. It's strange, it's strange. Oh, like he's got. His I nose. want his outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dapper, but because oh, again, it's, it's all yeah. it's all front line. He's, he's one of the most well-spoken cowboys too. So it's, it's a great um, juxtaposition. And yeah. um, uh, of course, Chico is, is you know prancing around, shouting out, "These villages are worthless." <laughs> I don't think we've we've gathered this point that Chico is as um, in Mexican villages. Why he hates them so much because he is them. Um, yeah, he wants right. to be he wants to be a cowboy, um, and he he uh, he loathes the villagers. So, um, yeah, it's, it's this push and pull, isn't it? Particularly when Petra comes around because he's saying when they have that scene together. In, in, oh, yeah. um, she she kind of almost forces herself upon him. I mean, like, oh yeah, that's never happened to me. But um, <laughs> anyway, she, you know, he's like, well, you don't I, have you a little know, cowboy hat like Chico. <laughs> well, I used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he's saying things like, oh, you know, I could never, I could never stay here. I could never, you know, if, uh, farming a life of farming. That's not me. I'm a cowboy. I'm a, you know, I'm a, oh, oh I'm a bandit. This is me. You know, you know, you can see he's getting, well, no farming, no farming, uh, no far- oh, farming. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so they get they they walk back into town. Um, they they sneak as far as they can, but the shooting quickly starts. And they of course they're massively outnumbered still, yeah. guns blazing all over the place. Again, they're driven back. Kind of a few of them are wounded, whatever. Um, at which point, Chris is caught out in the open, but he's saved by Harry, who who saved who changed his mind and rode back in. Mm. But of course, as Harry is saving Chris's life, he's he's fatally wounded and dragged inside. And uh, he's like, Chris, don't let me die a sucker. There was gold, wasn't there? And then Chris, Chris is going, yeah, there was gold. There was a massive gold mine. Harry's like, yeah, there was. And he dies. <laughs> so he, he dies happy. Um, yeah, what did you do? <laughs> I quite liked Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Lee is is the next one uh, to go down. They all have their redemption. Lee, um, yeah, yeah, he's rescuing absolutely. the people. He's rescuing the villagers who were on their side all along. He's being held captive, and again, he's about to burst into the the um, the, the barn and and gun down the people. But he actually he he holsters his pistol so that when he bursts in, he has to outdraw them as well. So he's like he's really testing his nerve, yeah. which is a nice moment. So he, he actually does it. He goes in, shoots down three of them, and uh, yeah, the villagers are all grateful. But then he's yeah gunned down. Um, by a random shot and he uh, bites the dust as well after that would we get we get um bernardo again the bleeding kids <laughs> his fault he's having a great brother's doing quite well until the kids come and he gets to turn and say get back it's not safe and then he dies yeah, then he gets shot doesn't he <laughs> yeah he gets, yeah and then yeah brit dies um pretty much from just yeah I mean, he just stands there and guns him and then he just, uh, basically buys the dust doesn't he i think yeah. he, he tries one final knife throw but it, yeah, it kind of it falls it, it falls, yeah, out. falls onto the rock or the wood or I can't remember yeah. what it is but yeah it's like a tree trunk isn't it yeah. and then Calvera who's trying you know, a sneaky back shot gets a spun around Chris shoots him and then he gets that line you came back to a place like this why a man like you why yeah. and he's cracking line that he is. dies in ignorance um, yeah he does yeah so, uh, well it's because he'd, ne- he'd never understand would he he'd never understand yeah yeah 
Um, because he he's 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 convinced that he's talking to kindred spirits the whole thing. Yeah, he is. He yeah. keeps trying to to barter them, saying, you know, we'll we'll split the the, the food. You know, it's fine. You know, I'll I'll buy you off. What's it worth? And yeah. everything with him is a transaction, and he cannot understand Chris's motivation. Yeah. Um, and so there, so the seven are down to three. They chase off the remaining bandits. Um, they've won. Although, uh, yeah, Chico then decides that he he's not cut out to be a cowboy, which Frank I could have told him two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> and decides he wants to stay yeah. with Petra. He'd be um, better which... off as a cabaret act. <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, so it's just Chris and Vin who um who yeah. pass the uh pass the village um and uh, with with the line yeah the um only the villagers have won the gun yeah the gun the bandits didn't win the gunmen didn't win only the only the farmers won the farmers always win we lose we'll always lose, which is quite a note to end on. It is, yeah. I mean, I suppose that's the thing about Westerns. It doesn't matter how much of the kind of blockbuster is is um, put into it. They're all, they are still pretty bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. Because four, four of the heroes are now dead, and the other yeah. two are like, we didn't get anything here, did we? <laughs> it's like, but they, they did that, make the, the village better. You know, they, they bought they did make the, Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Well, the villagers won, didn't they? But I mean, that's something that you don't get much nowadays, because this we're heading into the analysis, aren't we? Perhaps yeah, we yeah. should just step back a little bit. Okay, let's uh, and, let's step back. Have a, have a plate of beans and uh, and uh, a few dry tortillas, <laughs> and uh, as we lay fresh graves on Bernardo's grave, we'll uh, we'll return. We can the crumbies. <laughs> you went all David Bowie then. We can the crumbies. <laughs> <clears throat> do David Essex as well. That was we oh, actually, I was gonna... these. <laughs> Could you do an Alvin Stardust? <laughs> I can't do an Alvin Stardust now. Oh. Never mind. <clears throat> Can you do an LL Cool J? <laughs> of course I can't. <laughs> oh no. You're more West Coast, Danny, that's why. <laughs> that's why, yeah. Give me an eight dog. I can do that. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Welcome. Hang on, I probably should leave a slightly longer gap between saying I'm uh, give me a Nate dog. Welcome back, everybody. How are you going to edit that into the actual <laughs> podcast? I'm learning, see you. I'm learning. Very good. Five years in. <laughs> yes, welcome back, dear listener. Well, um, the Magnificent Seven has been um, fully dissected. Um, I want to know what the Magnificent Two think uh of the film uh and some of the analysis of it that wasn't very good was it um but well, i think know, if we the half, half of the two, you'd have to be chris um simply because i have more hair <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't realized this but yul brinner it that was affectation yul he wasn't bald at all he just he just shaved his hair because of that that was his image really yeah well because... it was interesting because yul brinner never removes his hat in the film Oh, he doesn't, does he? No. So, what was the point? Well, well, again, before we, before we get to the analysis, I'll, I'll start with an anecdote. Um, Go on. Because Yul Brynner, again, when, the, when this film was put together, Yul Brynner was the name of it. He was because he was in the King and I, wasn't he? he or was the, the stage, King and I. the stage version, I guess. And he, he was also in. It was, um, was he was, was in um, Doctor Zhivago as well. I what? Was he was. He? The, he was. Yeah, he was in the film of King and I as well. So he was a name. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, and he and, won an Oscar for that as well, hadn't he? Yeah, and then so again, Steve McQueen TV star, everyone else, not really anything um, that you'd notice. Although they all went on to become fairly big stars, um, mm. Brad Dexter notwithstanding. Uh, oh, but the so, Ten Commandments he was also in. Brad Dexter was in the Ten Commandments? No, no, Yul Brynner. <laughs> of course, so let it be written, so let it's it be Ramses. done. Of course he was Ramses, yes. Uh, so yeah, he was a name. Um, 
yeah. and a lot of unknowns. So all these guys saw it as their chance to to become a star, um, which it turned out to be, but they didn't know that at the time. So they were, um, there was the, the the scene when they're going to the Mexican village, they're all riding through the um, the, the river. It's like day one of filming. So they all ride through the river. Like, let's do a, a, dry, a dummy run. Everyone goes to the river. That's great. Let's do it again. Yul Brynner leads off, goes to the river. Steve McQueen goes off, swings low in his saddle and scoops up water. Charles Bronson follows him, um, loading his gun. Robert Vaughan follows him doing five acts from Hamlet. And it's like, yeah, yeah. as soon as the cameras start rolling, everyone tries to nick the scene. And they thought, this isn't going to work. Um, so apparently Yul Brynner uh, had a little word with them saying, if anyone tries to upstage me, all I'm going to do oh, is take really? my hat off. And then the audience <laughs> won't be looking at anything else. I did read that Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen didn't get on yeah. um, because Steve McQueen was tr- was trying to, you know, get some of the limelight. Um, yeah. I, I read somewhere that he was, Yul Brynner would put piles of dirt together so that he'd be the same height as Steve McQueen in, yeah. the, in the scenes. And then McQueen would just kick the dirt away when he moved away <laughs> and stuff like that. It's quite funny, really. That's the kind of pettiness belongs to the golden era of Hollywood, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's another anecdote about the film as well, right? So I think it was Anthony Quinn who was who was going to be playing the Chris character and Yul Brynner was going to direct the film. Oh, wow. And that all kind of, yeah, I know, that all fell apart. They offered the Chris, uh, they offered the, the Vin role to Hayden Sterling, um, who turned it down and um, then they offered it to Steve McQueen, but he couldn't get out of his con- his TV contract that he had at the time. So he faked an almost fatal car crash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. And in the recuperation period, he was able to film the Magnificent Seven. What? What a lad. Oh, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Was it? Um, so what was it? Different say? times. Yeah, so- well, we say talk about the, the star making quality. Apparently, again, um, and this is fairly obvious from the way it's portrayed. John Sturgis believed he had a star in the making, and he believed that star was Horst Buchholz. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I you can't cast believe Steve it. Charles Bronson, Robert Vaughan, and James yeah. Coburn. You think who's the breakout star? It's Horst Buchholz, isn't it? I mean, Horst Buchholz. He, I can't say. I can't say he's not a presence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's, he's attractive, you know. He's got that kind of youthful looks, and he's in, he's also in another film which I really like called One Two Three oh, with well, Spencer Tracy, yeah. um, which is really funny, and he's good in it because he's playing up to his German stereotype, right? Okay. He's just I feel he's just totally miscast in this. Maybe it's the thing acting in a foreign language. It's so hard. It could be, through. couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. it could be. I mean, yeah. acting in a foreign language also pretend to be Mexican. It's like <laughs> yeah. there's all sorts of things Come going on. on here. But yeah, apparently, so this is this is why a you know he's. He's on the billing, is he? Introducing horse buckles. Yeah, horse buckles. Yeah, he's also, again, it's the reason why, you know, when they, um, apparently James uh, Johnson would take him away into like solo filming, which is why he's, when he's filmed with Petri, you know, he's dabbling in the water and he's like, yeah, oh. yeah. they thought these were like, these were the breakout scenes I ever remember. And in fact, it's not at all that. It's like, it's Steve McQueen's, you know, quiet monologue or quiet yeah. quips. Steve McQueen is, is, doesn't have a lot to say. None of them really he doesn't. do. No, none but of them do, apart from Yul Brynner, really. Yeah. Like Steve McQueen, Vin is a great character because Steve McQueen is, you know, you can see him actually working in all the sequels because Vin uses a lot of mileage in Vin because he's full of these little anecdote stories saying, you know, like, um, like, um, you know, how things are going. Oh, I knew a fellow once jumped out of an eight story building. We asked him every story went past. He goes, so far, so good. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, I, well, why did you come back? Knew a fellow once. He jumped, took all his clothes off, jumped into a field of cactus. Asked him why. He said, it's not a good idea at the time. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. these are character ticks and they're quite good ones. Like, he, he, you know, Vin is just a man full of, of anecdotes because he's been around yeah. forever. Yeah. 
that's right. Um, but yeah, so he wasn't it. You know, you know, Charles Bronson gets all the stuff with the kids. He wasn't it. You know, James Coburn gets to be the silent, brooding expert. Yeah. You know, not him. It's Horst Buckholt. So Robert, Va- Robert Vaughn gets to kind of emotionally fall apart. No, yeah. not him. It's yeah. Horst Buckholt who plays the yeah. idiot. <laughs> Completely. Badly. Chico is an idiot. Um, yeah, but he plays it badly. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. Did they have a hard time? Because I'm thinking now, um, who's the guy in the searches? Um, who was also a young oh, cowboy? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Could they just not cast like this? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's. Uh, we. I'd like to. I'd like to talk about the comparisons between Seven Samurai at some point. Yeah. But the. But um, horse. Horse Buckholz's um, Chico, is, um, Toshiro Mifune's Kikuchio. Okay in seven samurai he's but the difference and it's got nothing to do with the talent of the actor although that that plays a large role in it i think but mifune is animalistic okay he's on edge he's unpredictable he's dangerous but there is also humor in him as well but there's humor in the kind of you never quite know what side he's going to fall on whereas the chico character i think is a figure of fun yeah yeah and and kikuchio isn't Okay. Even though he is very, he's very physical in his, he he's almost kind of performance, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But but Mifune did that fantastically. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how again we'll we'll come into the eighties when they hire really young actors to be cowboys. But it's almost like they 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 could do the craggy cowboy because all the others are veterans. They've they've been around forever in gunfighting terms. They they want they're on their this is their last chance. And that kind of works so much better in a cowboy movie than the young, fresh-faced cowboy. Just, it's so hard to translate yeah, that into... It is because, yeah, you're right. The young, fresh-faced cowboy, they've not learned anything, have they? And the point, yeah. they've got nothing to lose. Yeah. They've not lost it, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, yet. So, it's, yeah, there's not the same kind of psychological interest. Yeah, and I guess unless you do something like, again, in Unforgiven, when the, you, know, the, you have that young cowboy... Um, who's get, suddenly getting his uh, his poorly sighted eyes yeah. opened by, yeah. by the horrors. Yeah. It's, it's you know, to have someone who's visibly joyous. And it's hard because so we are the audience. We're visibly thrilled by what, you know, when Chris and Vin ride the hearse to the top of Boot Hill, we're loving yeah. it too. But yeah. to see Chico laughing as well, you think, oh, we'd be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the film wouldn't have lost anything if it was called The Magnificent Six, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Well, seven, seven's a good number, but yeah, it yeah. is a good number. Or, or, or have I just think have Chico's character more, more dangerous, you know, unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, or right. A, a bit more of like a. I'm not saying a psycho. I don't mean that at all. But just someone that you think it could go either way. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, he's he's unpredictable only in the way that he does. Yeah, but he's things. goofy. Yeah, he's goofy. Like I say, when when he when he basically when he reveals the plot of Calvera. And causes the villagers to panic. That could be a completely different moment. But he just prances in saying, look at what I've done, guys. Um, <laughs> rather than, I bring terrible news, we're all going to die. Yeah, or, 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 you know, he could... So the way that the, the way that Kikuchio does it in Seven Samurai is that he uses it to siphon out the cowards in the village. Okay. So it's so it's a, it's a tactical move to say, these are the ones that we've got to look for. These are the oh, ones right. we've got to keep our eye on, right? In this film, just kind of bounds in and goes, "Hey, hey, oh, everyone!" It's like watching Mr. Tumble. In film. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mr. Tumble in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or something. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> is that a blast from the past? There. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's my own trouble. I'm going full Robert Vaughan, having remembered the. Uh, the was it? The, what's it called? It's the Happy House of Mr. Turnbull. <laughs> no, uh, Justin's, house. Justin's, Justin's House. Justin's House. That's it. Justin's House. We've gone past it, but I'm closer to it. We can't sing it because we get a copyright strike if we start singing. Oh, Justin's that's true. House. Yeah, so let's not do that. <laughs> For that and many reasons. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so uh, where to begin? I mean, we've we've modeled around anecdotes from this, mm. um, but yeah, in terms of the characters, I think again, the magnificent six slash seven. I think <laughs> it's a lot is done in a relatively compacted space of time. You know, um, yeah. Chris gets a lot of time, but almost he's the organizer, so he he has to he's necessary yeah. to organize things. He's the bureaucrat, isn't he? Yeah, so he gets actually <laughs> probably gets less personality time than you'd imagine. You know, he's, there's only a few moments when. He's actually, this is who I am. And that's, uh, yeah, you're right. And it's quite early on because it needs to set the scene for him, doesn't it? So I think, I think yeah. that works quite well. Um, yeah. Uh, they, Harry, they... Harry also, he's, he's, again, Harry's, how you, this is the funny thing is, as we list through this, you'll find all the aspects that, that are filled without needing Chico. You've got Harry for the comic yeah. reef. Harry is very yeah, funny, do, but yeah. not, yeah. not silly. Harry is mm. Harry is just you know he's he's going to miss the scam and he's not being shaken from that so he's the entire time ferreting out information we know isn't there but he's not stupid in that sense you don't you don't think Harry's an idiot you just think Harry is completely barking up the wrong tree here yeah he is yeah yeah mm. well, he just he doesn't believe yeah the reasons why they're doing it yeah so that's just that's how, again Bernardo um, again he is our empathy into the village so you don't need you don't need Chico for that either Chico Chico is a villager and you should think we're able to see it he's, he's yeah, half the time sympathetic half the time scolding them he is yeah but also the what, what's quite interesting about him is that's the scene that you mentioned early on um where um they ask him oh you chopping chopping logs are you <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? Um, you know, I can't remember what it was, but you know, I'm chopping logs. No, I'm I'm chopping logs because I'm an eccentric millionaire. All this kind of stuff. Yeah. It, he's not one note either, is yes, he? There's yes. a, there's character to him. There's personality to him. He's he's funny. He's sarcastic as well. He's almost world weary. Yeah. But again, the uh, it's the great moment because all the cameras are tucking into the food. Um, because they've been, basically food is all they've been promised in payment. So they're they're, they're rightfully eating all this lovely Mexican food. Mm. But he's the one that goes, "Do you realise the villagers are starving?" And it's like, oh. No, we didn't realise that, and we would never have thought of it. Yeah. Um, so well, okay. there's also the, there's a scene where they he's he's training the Mexicans to to shoot, and um, oh yeah, Hilario keeps missing the target. He says, "Don't squeeze, Hilario! Stop squeezing!" <laughs> it's like, treat it like you're milking a cow or a donkey or something like that. Something milking like a cow. Just, milking yeah, a milking donkey. A cow. You mean that? <laughs> you never milked a donkey before? I especially for donkey milk. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, treat it like you're squeezing one of your cows. You're milking one of your cows. It's yeah. like, oh, it's too much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> again. And then he gets yeah. really angry. This is quite a funny scene. So actually, to be honest, Charles Bronson, he's quite warm. He's a warm character in this. There's quite a lot of characterization for him. Yeah, if I could have said one cowboy, it would have been him of the seven, I think. Um, yeah, he did. Oh, is, is that a little, is that a little, um, mm. is that a little kind of um, peek into Hugh's favourite character? <laughs> um <laughs> But then again, you've got Vin, um, who I think could quite easily take the, the love interest part because he's, again, you say he, he is quite gasping for, for female company, but also the fact he's the only one that actually seems to be genuinely, again, they're, they're, all, they're all missing something, but he's the one who says, I've got no family, I've got no kids. And he's yeah. one who actually comes out and yeah. says it. Um, so it puts a completely different spin on the fact that he's constantly sniffing around women. It's like he, he does feel the need to settle down because he realizes how rootless he is. 
there's a bit of a bromance between Yule and Steve. Of course, well, is, yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Chris and so if there is any romance that's going to happen, I kind of tend to think it might be a bit broke back mountain. <gasps> well, that's but... what he says, isn't it? Vin, um, yeah. Vin, Vin does, comes to the village and goes, there's no women around here, there's just little girls. Well, if we're not careful, we could have quite an interesting social life. <laughs> well, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, you look at what, what Vin wears, it's quite camp. I think, I think, I think this film. You've got Vin, who is, oh, I think, quite camp in a, a masculine. I, I think, camp. I think the, the the salmon long john has come a long way. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it was seen as camp in those. Maybe days. not. But I, I think, I think, um, I think Brit is a little bit camp as well. The way that he moves and the, 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 his kind of very particular way of kind of um dealing with things and then you've then you've got chico who is just you know eurovision personified <laughs> so I, don't know, I think i think there's a little there's a there's a subgenre in this which is i don't know the, the magnificent seven inches or something like that <laughs> excuse me <laughs> i really agree with you, they're not the wild bunch they uh <laughs> really not the say, if had, bunch, had the wild bunch come to the village they'd be entirely justified in hiding women folk and fleeing from them um <laughs> But yeah, the Manchester yeah. Seven, they're the lovely chaps. Yeah, they are lovely chaps, aren't they? Chaps with chaps. Chaps with chaps. There's, yeah, there's, always a, there's a dance routine waiting to happen, isn't there? <laughs> um, what else have we got? Again, I was I mentioned I was impressed with the villagers. You you got you got villager time. And again, there was I think it was Hilario mm. when he was um he was out hunting the, the bandits alongside Vin and he was Hilario's basically he's terrified, but he's doing it anyway. He's saying, No, my, my hands are sweaty, my mouth is dry, I'm scared, I'm really scared. Am I bothering you? And Vin's like, No, it's all right. And <laughs> yeah. he's actually Vin he's not. He's Vin is he's, he's not like isn't he? He's yeah, a lot he's yeah. pleased to get Hilario's a lot less annoying than Chico. <laughs> yeah, and Vin is basically saying it's okay to be scared. It's all right. Yeah. If you're not yeah. scared, you're dead. Yeah. Um, uh, you've also got old man. Old man. Who we old haven't mentioned. Great. Who's like the, um, you know, like the who, the oracle in the Matrix who just knows everything. But he, the old, old man has got to be some kind of like retired soldier or gunfighter because he, he, he's basically <laughs> saying these bloody farmers, all they talk about is fertilizer. Yeah. I'm so bored because they do say you've got, you've got to come back from your your mountain, your, your house on the hill. You're not safe. Come within the confines yeah. of the village. He goes, look, no it's way. boring. I'll die. <laughs> I'll die of boredom. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I've got no interest in anything they talk about. Yeah. It's like Calvary might kill you. It's like, well, a bit of excitement at my age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got no interest in fertilizer, and I lost interest in women when I got to eighty-three. Yeah, but he, but he's saying, yeah, um, he's the one that says, buy guns. You know, you got to. He goes, we don't know how to fight. You better fight or die. So he's yeah. he's got a bit of edge to him, and he is the the, uh, the instigating. Uh, and he's the one at the end who says, yeah, just uh, the farmers always win, don't they? For, yeah. um, or in fact, the farmers are like meekly waving away the two survivors, and he goes. <laughs> They're doing their best. They're just not very good at gratitude. It's like they're farmers. If, gratitude, if they were good at gratitude, you'd see gratitude. <laughs> you could say that about anything, though, couldn't you? You know, not good at gratitude. Yeah. If I was good at physics, I'd be good at physics. <laughs> I mean, well done, old man. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not the oracle, is it? Yeah. But okay, so let's let's look at um, this in its place in the westerns. Is this a revisionist western? Because it was it was the heck of a smash when it came out, wasn't it? It was not expected to be, but it was huge. Well, it was eventually huge. And here's oh, okay. the thing: it was huge in Europe. Okay. But it didn't make much of a splash in its first run when it was released in the US. Um, it became a huge hit, word of mouth, huge hit. But in in the UK, in Germany, maybe because of horse buckles, I don't know. <laughs> um, in Japan, it 
in in the UK, this is in the top 100 biggest grossing films of all time. Still, really uh, accounting for inflation. Yeah, it's still. Um, whereas in the US, it didn't touch any of that really, but it, it garnered that kind of. Um, I don't know, the snowball effect, I guess, really, you know, or, or, the, or the tumbleweed effect or something like that. It, it, it generated it. So, yes, it, it did become a huge hit and it spawned, you know, a number of sequels as well. And it made stars of at least three of the other <laughs> uh, Magnificent Seven, apart from your Brinner as well. Right. So yeah. it, it's got a lot going for it, but it wasn't a massive success per se, although it was in Europe and in other parts of the world, which I don't really understand, to be honest, for me. Um, is is this a revisionist Western? I don't. What do we what do we think of a Western? Um, if we were starting our trip through the iconic Westerns or, yeah. or you know, the selection of Westerns that we're doing, would we choose a border town, um, a border town kind of hostage situation, I suppose, really, where there are no Indians? <laughs> I don't think we would, would we? We wouldn't call yeah. that the traditional western yeah but films like the magnificent seven have become almost the watermark for the i think the i mentioned it earlier the big hollywood blockbuster western that really started i think in the 60s um and then faded away a little bit um, in the late 60s and early 70s as well. This for me is, I, I don't know that, it's a hard question. It's a hard question to answer because I think we've seen lots of revisionist Westerns already. Yeah. Um, and if we're talking about specifics with what we expect a Western to be, this doesn't really tick the boxes. It's That's definitely a Western. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But it, well, is, this it, is, is it this, traditional? Well, you see, this is the thing, because I, again, I, I didn't research into this for this thing, but I've I've, I've read around the Mexican Seven previously. I've seen you know the making of, hence the anecdotes and things. Mm. And I think the you know the the um the the reasons they were given why it was so successful was well you know it, it turns the westerns on its head. It's uh, you know because you have firstly you have you know Vin talking about you know what a miserable life gunslingers have. You've mm. got um you've got Lee who's you know got who's played by nightmares. You know you've got Bernardo who's saying you know that you know the farmers are you know more brave than he is and like you know, they this is not what cowboys are and i'm thinking unless they were comparing it to just you know the standard western or the um or the, or the, maybe the tv shows or something where cowboys just do them a thing these things have been done already i mean well they, they they've was... been done in the films that we've seen so that's what i mean yeah they, yeah they... so uh, you look at high noon yeah that's a lot darker than this film yeah um, i think yeah i mean you get the um the searchers moments were dark oh, this. dark yeah I mean, exactly yeah even in stagecoach, wasn't one of the uh, the gunslingers there? But uh, he was he was like um, traumatized. Whatever, had to get his nerve back. Absolutely, and you know, my darling Clementine as well. There, there are there are elements in all of those films, I think, which are which set which set the kind of almost the psychological aspect of the western. Yeah, it's already been done, and that's not to detract from this film necessarily, but this isn't the place where all of that happens. Yeah, for the yeah. first time at all in any way, shape, or form, I think perhaps what the Magnificent Seven does in a Western stroke Hollywood context is it's almost one of the first times you see the bringing together of a collection of individuals to work as a team to defeat a, 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 an enemy. Um, so 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of 30s, 40s and 50s Hollywood films, for example, but I can't think of many films or any films before The Magnificent Seven that, that really that really talk about, you know, films where you go around collecting individuals to be part of a group. The Lavender see, Hill Mob? The Lavender Hill Mob, perhaps, yes. OK, that's a good example. That's, maybe, yeah. So, yeah, so maybe maybe it's, I mean, everyone loves a heist movie some, or, uh, or a caper movie. So maybe mm. it's it's the idea of of taking yeah that kind of caper, but also I mean they had they had the story of the Seven Samurai already. Yeah, so but that's that's why yeah. I mean a, Holly, a Hollywood version of it though. So the yeah. Lavender Hill Mob is obviously British, isn't it? So yeah. and maybe it was more common there. I think you can trace, I think you can trace more, um, kind of blockbustery type science fiction and superhero film tropes from this than okay. you can Western tropes. Okay. And when I say Western, I mean the genre Western, not not yeah. Western Western cinema per se. Um, in the sense that you you know you you have you have disparate individuals with different characters, all pulling together with different skills, with different views, yeah, to become a whole, as it were. Yeah, because there's no shootouts. In sense, there's no um, there's no high noon shootouts. There's no screw offs. Mm-hmm. Everyone everyone just jumps in and gets gun- and starts gunning down, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. There's. Yeah, there's um what are, what are the tropes we're we missing? Um, again, the, well, the only Indian is in a coffin. <laughs> well, the, the, one of the other one of the other things I think, and again, this I don't know if this happened before the Magnificent Seven, but it's quite interesting to see in this film. There is a scene at the start with you know when um, Chris and Vin are going, you know, they're looking to bury the Indian, as it were. Yeah. And it's it, in some respects, it's got nothing. It's not quite right, but it's got almost nothing to do with the main story it's telling you a little bit about who they are i guess really it is linked yeah. to a certain extent yeah but it, i think it starts a little bit of a, a trope that you see in later films where and this happens in action films it, uh, raiders of the lost ark for example is a, is a good example of this yeah. with the first 15 to 20 minutes maybe the first half an hour is an action sequence that has got nothing to do with the rest of the film at all yeah the cold open yes yeah, the cold yeah all it does is it introduces the character doesn't it it doesn't yeah. tell you anything about what the plot of the film is going to be. It's just yeah. something to get you going, the cold open. And I think this has a little bit of that in it as well. That yeah. that that walk up to the, the 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 burial area is the cold open, I think. And that's unusual, I think, in this era too. Yeah. And uh, again, I wonder if that's borrowing from um, television again, because because you know, this was the decade the Westerns were mm-hmm. over television and televisions make a lot of the, the cold open because they need it for commercial reasons you know, to make you hang around after the credits. And keep yeah, on true. Yeah. So it's, maybe that's what it's borrowing from. And again, this has a very televisual feel to it. Again, whether the, the budget of the movie or, or whatever, it, it feels it does feel cheaper than the films we've watched, even though time and technology has moved on. It feels like. Yeah. It's, it wasn't as lavish in terms of just how it was made. I know that this isn't, this probably isn't the case, but it feels more studio filmed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I know that they built, they built the, the Mexican town for the purpose of the film. So there is an element of that. It's, it's fake. You know, it, 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 John Ford would have done all of this as well. Yeah. But there, there isn't, there isn't the vista, is there? The, um, the, the village feels a little bit plasticky i suppose you know <laughs> the, the buildings don't feel quite as kind of rock and hard as as the buildings e- e- even the town in high noon is you know it's crisp and wooden isn't it was the, i mean you, you, i think if you knocked one of those buildings it'd be plaster cast wouldn't it really it's kind of what it feels like a little bit it's very studio based again it say that necessarily detracts it's a different type of film in that context um it's much but there is something now i do agree 
the I don't know whether just filming technique changed, and so therefore they could spend less money or, or put the money they had elsewhere. Because um, really, there aren't that many stunts in this film either. I don't, I don't really think there's a few bits and bobs, but you don't you don't get a lot of horse chases or or gunfight. There's not even really that much of a gunfight, really. A lot of it is the interplay and the the relationship between the villagers and the the magnificent yeah. seven. Really. Well, there's, there's a few gun battles, and I guess well, there there's, is, there's, yeah. there's some nice horse chasing through things. So it, but yeah, it's um there's no I guess like I guess stagecoach moment or um or search moment when they're racing through. I think is I noticed is this the first movie where the law hasn't hasn't come into play? There's no law. The one we've seen. Yeah, yeah, of our of our picks, and it's interesting because your Brenner is almost taking the role of the law. Of the law, yeah. In fact, there's but, a scene early in the film where Vin asks him whether he's been volunteered. Yeah, and it's volunteered to be the sheriff. Oh, is that, what he's, is that what he's saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought, yeah. And he's like, no, 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 not. Oh, when I said you've been elected, and when he goes, I got nominated, yeah, yeah, nominated yeah, pretty good. You, I thought yeah, he was talking absolutely. about um, you've been shot or something. No, he's been. have you been elected? Because you know, you see it in My Darling Clementine, Clementine as well, when Henry Fonda, he has to elect himself sheriff, doesn't he? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's taking the role of the lawman, um, but he doesn't have a badge. And they don't bring law to the village. They just kill the bandits who are playing it so the law can... Because the villagers mention there's lawmen out there, but they haven't got time for us. Um, so it's when it's the 60s thing about you can be the hero and you can bring order, but you don't do it under the, the aegis True. of government. This is yeah, the first time. Interesting, isn't it? That's a really, no really interesting point. Yeah. Just, um, and, you know, it might not be making an overtly political point, but it's of its time, isn't it? In that context. Yeah. The, yeah. The will be seen as the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of in, I mean, this is the case in a lot of Westerns, but in this in this as well, you're looking at. The villagers turn to, in effect, gunslingers, don't they, yeah. um, to to protect them. And and there is a lot of, I think there is a lot of kind of gun, porn in this, to, <laughs> to, to a certain extent. I mean, probably no more so necessarily in some of the other films we've seen. But I don't know. It, in effect, what you've got here is communal farmers yeah. <laughs> being overrun by a you know an, an evil um, kind of presence in Cavalier, Cavaliero. Um, it's Cavaliero, that's right, isn't it? Calvera. Calvera, sorry. Um, and then you've got, um, you've almost got the, the, they are the Magnificent Seven, but they're seven individuals, aren't they? Yeah. That, are, that are riding into town to kind of, so, you know, maybe it's a bit of a criticism of the, the, the red threat. Maybe I'm reading a bit too much into that, but obviously in Mexico at the time and South America, there was a growing communist yeah. kind of political view as well, wasn't there? Yeah. It was funny, Calvera is, is wearing the clothes of the ultra conservative. Like, mm. even, even though he's stealing from the village, he's saying there's no standards anymore. There's no proper religion. There's no decency anymore. <laughs> this kind of stuff. Mm. So yeah. he's kind of he's bemoaning the the things ain't what they used to be. Um, even though he's obviously breaking the law and, and robbing people and this kind of stuff. You mentioned. Um, I want I want to talk about the length of the film a little bit okay. as well. Um, it's not an excessively long film. Uh, you know, it's just over two hours. Um, but compared to the seven to seven samurai, it's it's half consid- It's considerably <laughs> condensed in that context. Yeah. So, um, and I f- tend to forget how long Seven Samurai is, really. Um, so when I was watching this, I was thinking, well, how are they going to? Okay. So, th- what what the three and a half hours in Seven Samurai affords is really really strong characterization 
and and moral decision making born out of conversations and set pieces that take place throughout the film. And I would add that in a three and a half hour film, there is not a point at all where you're bored in Seven yeah. Samurai. You don't feel you don't feel its age. I don't think it's exciting. And every single scene, maybe not every single scene, but every single kind of broad set piece has a purpose and has a kind of forward agency, right? And because of that, at the end of it, you really get a feel for and you are in tune with not just the samurai, but also the villagers' perspective and view of the samurai as well. Because the Magnificent Seven does a little bit of, of, of what I'm about to say. The Seven Samurai talks. It's it's formed in, um, you know, feudal Japan, right? Yeah. And so in that context, there's a lot of tradition. There's a lot of principle. There's a lot of the villagers really distrust the samurai, right? And the samurai effectively are not in it for money. They they're in it because they're samurai, and so therefore it is their purpose to kind of protect and 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 kind of be wandering um kind of helps and all this kind of stuff as well and you really get a sense of that culture and that way of kind of building up the process and i think the magnificent seven does it well because it does a similar thing but transposes it to to the western as it were so and you get a lot of that in this but what i think the magnificent seven suffers from a little bit in my view and this might be because i have seen seven samurai and it is one of my favorite films the characterization in it, as good as it is, it's just not as it's not as deep. Yeah. And so I never really felt like if I was comparing, I mean, Chico and Kikuchio uh, poles apart, mainly because the performance of Horsebuckle is just weird. <laughs> but that's why. But, you know, Mifune is is, you know, he's a he's a he's an actor for the ages. So, you know, it's not fair to compare, I guess, really. But. There are other, you know, the, the um, there are other processes in it. So the Chris character here and um, Takashi Shimura's um, Shim Shimoda character in Seven Samurai are the same character, really. But in the Seven Samurai, you get much more of the backstory. Okay. Um, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and it's a it's almost like a whole film in itself. It is fantastic. So there's that element of it a little bit, and I kind of wish. I don't want the Magnificent Seven to be three and a half hours long. Don't get me wrong, because it it then it then it would be it would be trying to be too much Seven Samurai. But yeah. I can't get away from the fact that it's almost too similar a story with very similar plot plot points for it. It just can't ever be as effective. Okay. And that's my fault. <laughs> that's not the film's fault at all. Although, you know, the film is what's the film trying to do? Is it trying to replicate Seven Samurai? It can't. It can't. So in in that regard, I'm not sure. I think it does a good job in building up your um, feelings for the characters in a much condensed time frame. And although it's over two hours long, you've got seven characters yeah. to introduce, to build up, to learn to like, to understand their motivations and the villagers. So really, it's, I don't Calvera. think it's long enough. And, and I don't think it's long enough. Yeah, yeah. I I, think so. It's not often I say that a film isn't long enough. <laughs> But I don't think the build-up to this film is anywhere near long enough. It's it's certainly not, yes, yeah, spread around. Again, you'll say the cold open of Chris and Vin. I mean, it establishes who they are, but it's there's probably other ways they could have done that in a more efficient way. And this is where you know efficient storytelling comes in. Yeah. I mean, poor old Harry, he is... Yeah, he's he, he isn't a character, he's a cipher in this. There's nothing yeah. really to him. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, uh, you know, I, I'd like to know a lot more about... 
um, Lee, for example. Yeah. Uh, his character is really interesting. And in, in Seven Samurai, you get the background, you get the struggle, you get, I'd like to know a lot more about um, Bernardo, you know, not yeah. just, not just what's on the screen, but I'd like to know a lot more about his background, what it is. And then you can really root for them. Whereas yeah. here, it's almost just exciting. Yeah? yeah. And that's maybe the difference between this and Seven Samurai. This is, this is exciting. Seven Samurai is profound <laughs> and exciting, right? Yeah. Right. Do we have anything else to say about the uh, exciting but not profound Magnificent Seven? Well, I never thought I'd say I wish this film was at least another half an hour long. I mean, that is weird. <laughs> you know, that, that's just how it is. I do. There's a couple of other things about the film as well. I know you said it's it feels less expensive than some of the other films that we've watched. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I there is a, there, I agree with you, but it's still it's still really well filmed, though, right? I mean, we're not. I'm not talking. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about the the um the quality of the filmmaking it i think it's it's directed brilliantly yeah. or, or really good i love I, I think the acting is of its time but it works right and yeah. it, it, it works in that context i think it's um i think it's exciting and it's morally interesting as well to engage with i just think there's a there's it it, it there's a, it lulls a bit in the middle you know I think there's a bit too much of them kind of lounging around in the village. <laughs> I, what I almost want is um, add an extra half an hour to the front end of the film where we're introducing the characters and then add almost almost forget a little bit about the interplay between the villagers and, and, and the seven summer, in, in, uh, and the cowboys if you're not going to actually go into the detail. And then let's get to the action. Yeah, yeah. Because That's maybe it, what I would like. Well, there's almost too much action, isn't there? Because there's... Um... There's it all gets like it doesn't trust it doesn't trust the slow build because obviously you know with with any yeah, I guess with any kind of siege mentality yeah like yeah. You think about like say Zulu the two towers they when they're, when a big battle is coming the most interesting bits are always what happens before once the battle's happening yeah, you, you're away oh, it goes to motion agree. Mm. so you, you you need the slow build and there isn't actually that there because as soon as they arrive they 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 fight and kill three scouts and then Calvera turns up pretty quickly and they chase him off with some fighting and then he turns up again and then there's a big battle so you never yeah, really have it, that it, many quiet moments you never know and in between all of those things you've got the bickering and the interplay of the the main characters in the villagers you've also got the you've got the um the reveal of um uh you've got the reveal of um calvera he's going to come back you know you, yeah. you've got all of that stuff as well you've got the constant kind of churning of the characters and what it is that they're going to do in their kind of obligation or that because you're right it, but despite that i think the middle third of the film does lull a bit because it's it's too much it's too much moving from a to b but with it didn't seem like there was a purpose too much what i wanted was a lot more of the characterization at the front end and then just a massive bloody brilliant action sequence that goes yeah, on for about 40 yeah. minutes right that would yeah. be brilliant because there was there was no um like the, what was trying to build up the tension, but it wasn't, wasn't building tension. Sorry. What was trying to keep you interested was like the turning up of Calavera's scouts. There was like two or three bandits always hanging mm. around, but you knew the seven would beat them easily, and they do. They they just Easy. they just yeah, take they course. sweep them aside. It's not until the big battle at the end they're in real danger, and but by, by that point you haven't felt that that kind of thrum of they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Um, no, even no, even the decision to ride back in is immediate as, as soon as their guns are back yeah, in their hand yeah. they're off again there's no sense of 
come on guys i mean i think harry's point of view should be considered a lot longer um because the uh he's I, making I good sense he's making good sense yeah and in some respects they're all they're all gamblers aren't they you know yeah. <laughs> harry is the He's the quintessential one, I suppose. Really, he's the gambling character. Yeah. But they're, they're all—they're all basing the decisions they make on odds, aren't they? I mean, there, there are moral decisions there as yeah. well. He, even, it's even, a yeah, sensible even, approach. Yeah, even the moral decision to defend the village. Harry, Harry, voice is saying, "We hope to up the ante just enough to make Calvera move on." And that was—even yeah. Chris yeah. was going to do that. They weren't planning on killing every single no. one of them because they knew they wouldn't survive it. Um, and they talk. I mean, Chris talks about a contract, but really, that's only come out after the event, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I could have done with lots more kind of like, you know, the drum beats of, of like tension until you can't, can't rush it any further. But it doesn't go like that. It go, It's pretty quick into decision and action mm. again and again and again. So it's, it's lots of beats. So you're never given that moment when things could really crank up. Yeah. Um, I partly almost want Calvera to be off screen more. Yeah. yeah. And to be a, a to be, you know, what was the what was the name of the the character in stagecoach who you never see until the very oh, Geronimo. end. Geronimo. Ger- yeah, exactly. I want yeah. him to be a little bit more like that. Well, do you know what? It's funny because I'm sure this this was how it was pitched to Eli Wallach um, because he was offered the, the, the role of Calvary and he's like, I don't want to do this. And then he goes, no, listen, play this role because he basically said, I want to do this. He's, he comes in at the start and then he's never seen again. And, the, mm. and John Sturgeon said, no, he comes in at the start and then for the next hour, he's all that everyone's ever talking about. And if he'd played it like that, I think it would have been better because, yeah, there was... I mean, I, I liked Calvera's portrayal, but there was too yeah. much of him. You wanted everyone to be him, talking yeah. about right. Calvera yeah. and not seeing him. I almost, I didn't really want to know too much about him either or his views, you know, even, and I'm I'm sounding a bit harsh here because even the scene where he's discussing with Chris about, you know, leaving their guns, it's a good yeah. scene. Yeah. I just, I'm just not sure it's needed. No. I, I but it is a good too. scene though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think they yeah they could have put two together. He could have said, "Give me your guns," and then we would yeah. have known it was a sign of submission. He could have said he also has to like justify his motives. When Chris goes, "Why aren't you killing us now?" And he goes, "I'm being practical." It's like we don't need cover, so he can just say, "Do what I say." Yeah, um, it removes the 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 um, mystique from him, doesn't it? You know, it makes yeah, him yeah. a bit. You know, make, I think it makes him a little bit less scary. Yeah, because I like it much much as I enjoyed the performance. Yeah, he Calvary is quite a pathetic character, and the fact that he is such obvious motivations doesn't help either if he you know if he'd like said you know i am coming here these, you know he has this good line actually saying um if if god didn't want them sheared he wouldn't have made them sheep sheep yeah so he's saying what i'm yeah. doing is actually a religious duty yeah <laughs> and if he'd been a bit more like that and a bit less kind of like i need to feed my men so i'm taking your grain you know it's a simple trade um mm. this is a shakedown it would probably be more scary if calvera was a presence um, absolutely agree yeah i completely agree uh, and yeah, it just, I don't know, there isn't enough in the rest of the characterization of the film to, to hold Calvera as a, a main character in it, I don't think. Yeah. But again, what I'm not saying is that there's anything specifically about the Magnificent Seven which is problematic per se, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the th- it's the thing that elevates a good film to a great film or a great film to a classic, yeah, right? Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. Um, and I can, I can, I can completely understand why the Magnificent Seven is is was very successful because, to be honest, you, you could watch it again and again, couldn't you? Right? It's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good watch. It's a, yeah. it's a very watchable film. Um, but you know, of the films we've seen, this isn't 
this isn't up there with the best films I've seen in the run that we've seen so far, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, agreed. It, it's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable, but it's not. A, it didn't. It, there wasn't a point in it where it made me go, oh, 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 oh okay, or like you know, or come on, come on, <laughs> like I did with High Noon, for example. Yeah. And yeah. I think maybe maybe with High Noon, it's one person. The Western is at its best, I think, when you sh- when you sh- almost strip out the vista. Yeah. Right. You strip out the views and the expanse, and you focus in on the mind. And the okay. psychology of a character or an individual, right? That's when the Western is perfect. And the moral decisions that that person has to make. You know what? Oh, I can eat that. Lap that up. Give that to me. That's a film I want to see. And The Magnificent Seven, there's hints of that in here. You know, Robert Vaughan's character, Charles Bronson's character, there's hints of it in there. It's not quite enough for me. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I think you're right there. It's interesting there. Ah, the Western is not best as a team sport, even even though ensembles work. Like Stagecoach was an ensemble. It comes yeah, down. Yeah, I to, agree. It comes down to the that that lone moment. Um, I like I like westerns. I think I think I like westerns where that there can be an uns- an ensemble cast, but they are working possibly with ulterior motives. Yeah. Right. And at some points during that, they may well coalesce, and at other points, they might. Um, diverge but it's yeah you're right maybe it's not a team sport um yeah it's because even, when yeah. you've got an in yeah because even, even with the deaths i mean the, the deaths some of them played well some less so it kept the action going and that seems strange in a western because normally when you're when, your, over, hero, when like your hero dies he goes down um but yeah. here was what like we, the, yeah you're right what, casualties in a war film what have we seen um in High Noon, the, the shootout was, what, you know, 30 seconds. In My Darling Clementine, it was 20 seconds, right? Yeah, yeah. right? And it, that surprises me, but it makes sense. Um, yeah. It does, it makes sense because, you know, it, it, it's almost always about one individual versus another individual. Um, despite, you know, the dichotomy of the huge American expanse of the West, right? That is, that's, it's set in something as big as it can be but it's yeah. about the minutiae of decisions yes yeah and also again interesting you mentioned how how big the west is it's almost always an individual in a place they can't get out of because they're, well, exactly, they're yeah, caught by yeah, moral yeah, obligations yeah, yeah they're not caught yeah the, they're, they're not they're There's not trapped so physically are yeah, they there's they're so many places they can go and yeah, they can't yeah. get out yeah yeah it's brilliant and there's a bit of that in this, the magnificent seven as well because they they, they there's a bit in it where they erect walls, don't they? Yeah. And um, Calvera says, you know, you put these walls to keep me out. No, it's to keep you in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's th- that's that kind of process, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, um, it's look, that's the magnificent seven, isn't it? You know, it's 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 rip roaring entertainment. But is it any more? Mm-hmm. Mm. Who is your favourite character then here? Well, cards on the table. Favourite character. I mean, I think it's got to be Bernardo. <laughs> so... Who's, so, who's Bernardo's counterpoint in the Seven Samurai? Well, I don't know the guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> so I think part of the challenge with it, it, it's mainly because I'm not familiar with the actors in the same way that I might be familiar with the actors in yeah. uh, American films. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the names don't trip off the tongue in the same way that they might in an American film as well. So I can't, I can't, I can't remember yeah. the name of the character or the actor. Um, <laughs> per se but they, they're all well represented okay so there is an obvious one who you gets know, adopted by the kids and uh 
Well, yeah, basically. It's, okay. I'm, you'd be surprised. I was surprised at quite how faithful The Magnificent Seven is to Seven Samurai, except that it's about an hour shorter. <laughs> and and it's, it's not as good, right? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, fair enough. What, what is? Yeah, that's true. Okay, who's your favourite? Um, I would say my favourite was Lee. Ah, uh, really? But but I have to say, Bernardo comes a very close second. <laughs> a very close. I quite like James Coburn's character in it as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, James Coburn's good. Yeah, it's interesting that James Coburn, am I right in thinking, probably the only one had a late cowboy career. Again, like, you know, um, Charles Bronson went off to the Death Wish Tough Guy movies and uh, yeah. Robert Vaughan, The Man From Uncle. But James Coburn was in quite a lot of cowboy films, um, like in the 80s and everything, and, and did a quite a good, you know, old cowboy. He did, and he won an Oscar. I mean, it wasn't a cowboy film, but he won an Oscar when he was in his 70s, I think, for a film did called he? Affliction. Yeah, oh, with um, with Nick Nolte, I think, as well. Okay. So, yeah. It's funny how some actors are just waiting to hit the right age. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Yeah, you're right as well, because seeing James Coburn in this, he seems too young. Yes. He, he hasn't he hasn't filled into his body. Well, I right? saw him have a walk on part in I think it was Tora Tora Tora. Um, oh, where he's, man. really? He's just, yeah, he's, he's play, he just has one scene. He's playing like some yeah. um, some Navy lieutenant who tells the general, tells the admiral, you know, you got to do this, sir, and that's it. Um, <laughs> he gets it. He delivers a line too. It's like, um, you know, that that would is be. It a bit, is it a bit like Harrison Ford in Apocalypse Now? Yeah, yeah, it's very much you like know? that. It's like <laughs> it's just, just, the, um, just the right play with respect, sir. It's the smart play. Um, <laughs> oh, but I think James Coburn was. James Cameron was a serviceman too. That's the great yeah, thing about was, this yeah, generation yeah. is the, yeah. they've they all, all were, weren't the they? Really, to yeah, a they've all extent. they've all handled the guns and seen violence themselves. Yeah. yeah, very good. Well, there we are. Um, is it scores on the doors? I think we'll we'll have a little break. We uh, we have horses we need to water first, and uh, and uh, <laughs> young ladies to throw over the back of them. But <laughs> I've got to dance just... around the sombrero. <laughs> yeah, and then we shall have our scores on the doors. <laughs> Welcome back, dear listener. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the it's the end of the podcast. But before we get to the end of the podcast, we're going to do some scores on the doors. Um, yeah. I mean, I think more more than any other series of Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, it feels slightly pointless scoring classic westerns. <laughs> you know, really, you know, some of the greatest films ever made. Oh, what, what are you going to give High Noon or two? I mean, you know, <laughs> what kind of imbeciles are we? But um, anyway, this is what we're doing. Um, if you've not I listened to this, any podcasts, this, yeah. it's not now that's going to be defining us as imbeciles, yeah. is it? Absolutely not. <laughs> Although this one, I think, is actually the first time that's yeah, it's not a it's not a bang on five. It's um, it's no. not a dead cert. So what well, what, what are, unless you are giving it a five? And well, I mean, it, it, well, go on. You go first. We go first. Oh, you uh, you betray me. So I mean, yeah. To be honest, we we've said that the conversations can can raise or lower a score. I think I was a four for this, but you know what? Since we've now dissected it, I've gone my head. I think it's a three, to be honest. I've, it's, it's pushed my, I mean, I was never going to give it five because so no. much time and effort is devoted to Chico and I cannot get on with that character. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a very pleasant, watchable Sunday afternoon Western, yeah. but it is nowhere near the level of the classics we've seen up till now. Well, I think I agree with you 100%. I, was, I wasn't going to go for a four. I have to say, actually, after the, fir- the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought, yes, come on. <laughs> this is this is it. We're in for this now. And it never quite lived up to that again, I don't think. Um, it's three stars from me. I enjoyed it. Um, as you say, it's a, a Sunday. If this was on the TV on a Sunday afternoon, 
I'd probably settle down and have a, a good couple of hours watching it, but yeah. no more, no less um, for me, really, uh, in that context. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's we've seen some absolute bangers, and this isn't really one of those. Although what I would say is, much like The Searchers, which is also another classic that we gave three disembodied crombie heads to as well. Really? Um, yeah, and this feels a little bit like that. I can understand why it's revered, but I just don't quite get it. Yeah. It's not quite, it's just not for me. Yeah. I am slightly guessing I couldn't give it four stars because then we'd have an aggregate of seven for out of there, which would be quite Oh, nice. you should have. <laughs> I should have gone first, shouldn't I? <laughs> I'm not good. I couldn't, I couldn't compromise my, uh, my uh, uh, impartiality just for the sake of a, a very pleasant number. But no, there we go. A not so magnificent six for the uh, magnificent seven. But, but by goodness, have we got a treat for listeners? Oh, my goodness. Well, a <laughs> I'm, slug so, for us. I'm so excited about this. I, I can only say for, for next month, we will endeavour to fit it into our normal running time. But we have, we have <laughs> I don't squeezed. know how we go. How are we going to do this? We're going to really we fa- talk really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to us on 1.5 speed. Yes. Next next month, we are not doing one movie. We're not, no, we're doing, not, we're not doing two, two either, are we? No. We are doing the Dollars Trilogy. A the Dollars, dollars A few dollars more and the good, the bad and the ugly. Oh my goodness me! And you know what? They are not short films. They are not short films. So I'd suggest if you are planning to listen to it, and I really hope you are, get a large bowl of pasta in front of you to fortify yourself with the necessary carbs. Yeah. Uh, Soak yourself in a bath and have a gun just under the water surface. <laughs> as you tuck into a nice bowl of spaghetti as uh, as you listen to our spaghetti westerns. Oh well, well, well. Until that time, uh, we wish you a, a very happy and a very healthy. Weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all. Weekend at Crombies. He's playing a Mexican with a strong German accent. <laughs> I mean, it's never going to work. It's not actually a strong German accent. I'd, even, I'd have preferred a strong German accent. It would have made it quite funny. <laughs> if, he talk, if he talked like Werner Herzog, I'd have absolutely loved it. We cannot stand to these Mexican villagers. They are peasants, you see. Oh, that's a brilliant Werner Herzog impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another string to your bow. <laughs>